20 and a half back of the Brewers. I don't think that rally is going to make it. I don't think that push is going to make it. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man I once saw open mouth kiss a grizzly bear. Entirely consensual, I promise. Yeah, sure he does. Uh, That is my brother, Mike. Mike? Hey, how's it going, grizzly bears? Me? We get along great. They're good kissers, too. (laughs) Uh, this week on royals weekly we'll review what was a roof week for the boys in blue we asked for a sweep of the yankees we didn't get it didn't get we wanted at least one against the cardinals we did not get it didn't get that either Uh, are you disappointed mike uh extremely disappointed in fact you know it's a swift kick to the plums that it just that is being a royals fan so i am extremely disappointed if there's two teams that you want to beat it's these two teams and we really couldn't get it done, especially the Cardinals one, because they aren't very good to begin with. Uh, we made their offense look like they were fucking the 27 Yankees, and they aren't. Um, so, yeah, not good. Not tremendous. Before we move on and get into the review, we uh, did get another listener question this week from Joe D., one of our Twitter followers, who submitted a question last week as well. He wanted to know who we think is going to take the opening day starter spot next year in 2022 and who the opening rotation will be. So we're just going to answer this question really quickly and then move on to reviewing last week. Here's our official opening day roster for next week. Not super controversial in a lot of places for next maybe, year. Sorry for next year, next week. So to hodgepodge mess, who knows? What the hell's who going knows on yeah. now. Give Tappy um, a start. See what happens <laughs> next year though. I think it'll probably be Keller as your opening day starter singer, Lynch, Carlos Hernandez, and then Chris Bubich rounding it off. There's an argument to be made that maybe Mike Miner gets that last slot because the Royals love veterans and they gave him a two-year deal and all this other stuff. And Bubich hasn't really covered himself in glory all year. But I ultimately think that those five are going to be the sort of five stalwarts to start the year. And it makes more sense to me to do that than to give Miner, who really hasn't covered himself in glory, uh, a starting ro- uh, rotation spot. So, yeah, that's what we're going with for Royals Weekly's prediction as of right now for who will be in that starting rotation. Yeah, the only difference I could see, I think Miner could slot into the bullpen there. And then maybe Kowar is in place of Bubich, but that's the only difference I would think. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a long shot just because Bubich to me has the the lead against Kowar in some ways because he has major league experience and the Royals love that sort of thing. But we'll see. Half these guys could be injured by the time opening day rolls around next year. It's just with pitching, you never know. But anyway, let's get into some baseball. For roster news this week, it was a very familiar tune. Uh, Edward Olivares was sent back down again. Yeah. That's that's as reliable as the rain, baby. <laughs> uh, what in the hell is going on with this Olivares thing? Nobody can figure it out. The Royals can't figure it out. The media can't figure it out. Nobody can figure it out. Here's my theory. Every time there's a thunderstorm, Olivares gets sent down. That's what it is right there. Because <laughs> he's causing them? Is that that's what's right. going on? <laughs> Moore's like, mm, it's cloudy. Send down Edward Olivares. <laughs> yeah. So he he got 11 days this time. Not a great stretch. And when Soler got traded, everybody was like, okay, this is it. This is his opportunity to sink or swim at the major league level. Dayton Moore clearly thinks that that's not the case. They they clearly think they already know what Olivares is at the major league level, and they're not impressed. And so 
I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Maybe they see him as a quad A player and they're going to use him in a trade package someday, or they're just going to let him rot in triple A, using up all his options and start passing him through waivers or whatever. I get, I'm guessing he'll get taken the first time he's available on waivers. I bet he gets taken. It would not surprise me if some team out there takes a chance on him at some point, because why not? Nobody has ever seen this kid in an extended time in major league baseball. Now, Last year, he got to play a little bit more, and actually towards the end of the year, he looked great. So, yeah, I think somebody, I mean, if you're the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. Oh, yeah, or the Orioles or something like that. Yeah, why not let him, man? Yeah, who knows? I don't know what the hell we're doing. There are probably a whole bunch of GMs out there right now just waiting for Olivares to be made available at some point. Now, he's probably still got another year's worth of options or two, maybe. But then it's probably open season. If they keep treating him like this, somebody else is going to take him. He's 27 or 28, isn't he? Uh, I don't know. He's somewhere in that 26 to 28 range, yeah. but he's, he had the year last year where he, he had been optioned up and down. He had this year where he'd been optioned up and down. I think that just means one more. And then after that, if they want to move him up and down, they're going to have to pass him through waivers. So uh, we'll see on that front, but man, it sucks to see him get treated like that. I, I really think he deserves a shot. Um, another guy who's getting shot after shot and well, will for a long time was also activated this week. Brady, Sw- Brady singer, Brought back from the uh, injured list this week. Did not look great in his first start back. Went three and two thirds. Gave up 10 hits, five earned runs, three walks, only two strikeouts. And as recorded, only one, maybe two changeups thrown. And so it was more of the same sort of thing from from Singer. Didn't look super sharp. Uh, A little disappointed that he's not in any way attempting to incorporate more changeups. Yeah. And people were like, I love how they... On the broadcast, they're spinning it as well. You know, he's getting, you knew he was going to have a pitch count that had very little to do with pitch count and very much to do with the fact that he was getting rocked. Okay. And it was the same old story for him. If he doesn't have his absolute best two seamer and slider, he's going to get hit because, or he's going to walk guys um, because he has no third option. So we're singing the same old tune with Brady Singer and they're singing the same old tune with Edward Alaris and it's getting old. Damn it. <laughs> It's real old, real, real old. This is like a Richie Valens classic at this point. Uh, um, yeah, so tired of hearing that, but oh well. Uh, as you can see, that type of decision-making doesn't lead to great results on the field. The Royals went 1-5 and five this week, which brings their overall record to 49-67. and 67. This week uh, was a week offensively this week. They only managed to score four run, more than four runs twice. And when you're playing the Yankees, that's going to be a tough, tough go of it. You know, they got shut out against the Cardinals in, in uh, two uh, of the on, three, for, in two of the three on Friday. I know Friday and Saturday, um, Yeah, Friday and Saturday. So yeah, that, that led leads to a one in five week. They grabbed one win against the Yankees in, in a, in a eight, four game, I believe. And then uh, took losses every, every other game this week, there were some strong performances, this week, Salvador Perez got back on track. He was in our week performances list last week, but he picked it right up again. That's him, man. Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right. Usually A-A-B-A-B. it's up, 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 down, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's more like it. He's not like <laughs> consistently down, but like he'll have a, a week that's awful and then boom, right back on track. The player that I wanted to talk about is one that I've spoken about many times here. I love Carlos Hernandez. He had another good start this week. Six and two thirds inning. Uh, one run, run, five hits, one walk, three strikeouts. Three strikeouts is actually a little low for Carlos Hernandez. Um, and he's showing in these last couple, he doesn't always have to have his best, best, best command to get guy or to go longer into games still. So six and two thirds for him when he didn't have his absolute best command is very good. Keep rolling, Carlos Hernandez. Be the bright spot at the end of this year for the Royals. That's what I'm looking for. 
yeah, this is one of a few starts he's had lately that were really good and consistent. He looks like maybe he's taken a slight tick forward or light slight step forward, and he's uh, maybe starting to become a little bit more reliable, a little more consistent as a starter. That would be huge for the Royals, huge. One thing I'll say too, and they mentioned this on the broadcast actually during his start was they would that they would like to have him throw a few more changeups. He throws that split finger changeup that can look a little weird, and I. I don't. I think it would be tough to command. I think that would be such a harder pitch to command than a circle change. But he throws it, and it's actually the the movement on it is very good. It's a good pitch. He gets some downward movement with it, but he. I don't think he has a whole lot of confidence in it, so he doesn't throw it very much. But it's one of. I think it's a great pitch for him. I honestly do. Uh, when he's got the slider going or slash, it's kind of a curveball. He's got both really, but the slider was working really well, and his fastball is next level. If he does get even more comfortable with that changeup, you're talking about a front of the rotation kind of guy, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, another guy who throws a changeup that is really good but was not working today. <laughs> that is uh, <laughs> great segue. I love dynamite segue. Segue. Dynamite segue, money. Uh, yeah, Chris Bubich pitched today. Did not look great. One and one third. Seven earned runs, two home runs, a walk, a strikeout. The thing about Bubich is, I think you're seeing his ceiling right now, like. It's not going to be better than a four or five. It's not going to be um, anything more than that back end starter guy. But if he can do that, he's going to have some outings like this maybe, but I think he's more in line with the five, six innings, three, four earned runs, Mike minor type of guy. That is exactly uh, what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mike minor in his not best years, like, four and a half to five ERA kind of a guy, uh, which you can live with at the back of your rotation if you need to, uh, especially if, if if he's durable and in the starts that he does go, he goes long. So, yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about a guy later in Jake Odorizzi. If it, his ceiling, his best is just Jake Odorizzi. In I my opinion. might be, even be a little high for me. Odorizzi's had some pretty decent. I'm years, talking about Odorizzi uh, this year, like now. Oh yeah. That's not not what he was four yeah. years ago. Yeah. That's his ceiling. I think at, at this point, uh, let's hope he can get there, refine that command a little bit. Uh, stay more consistent with that curveball, and I think he'll be in in decent shape moving forward. But it, it yeah, it is, is completely it's this completely a jam of a start. No, it's completely command based. That guy he he has to be a command pitcher at this point. Like he's got to be a guy that can really hit spots and mix pitches. Because I think what we're seeing is the fastball. We knew the fastball wasn't going to overpower anybody. The changeup is really good, but you're not going to be able to get guys to hit it or to swing and miss when they know it's coming when they can sit on it. And then the the breaking ball isn't so good that it can cover up for the other stuff. Yeah. So if he doesn't command, he doesn't he doesn't go. It just the doesn't work. The weird thing is, if it were sixty grade command, I think he would be a very good three soft tossing lefty. Yeah, I yeah. think he'd be a very good mm-hmm. pitcher yeah, if yeah. it were sixty grade command. But right now, it's maybe fifty grade command, maybe, and that's not going to get it done. Uh, fifty five, and he's a really solid back end starter. So he just needs to tick that up a little bit work on refining that command and he should be okay. Yeah. And I'll talk about a guy in Andrew Benintendi. He struggled this week. He struggled for a little while now, four, four for 23, um, a double only one, sorry, only one double seven strikeouts, three walks. I, I don't know if that accumulation of injuries throughout the year he's had, he's been nicked up a few times and then just also, okay, well, when you're nicked up, you're going on the IL, you're coming off, you're going on, you're coming off. I don't know if those are adding up for him now, but we're just not seeing the Benintendi that we saw at the beginning of the year who was hitting hard line drives and getting hits that way. Uh, we're not seeing it right now. So hopefully he can change that because honestly, in a crowded outfield, 
I don't know that you hang on to him over the winter. You know, if there's an opportunity to move on from him, he needs to hit for the rest of this year. But who knows? They don't want Olivares out there. So maybe they want Andrew Benintendi and left again. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. If they don't want Olivares out there, then there's no way they're trading Benintendi because then it's not a crowded outfield. Then it's actually a pretty sparse outfield. You don't want to be in center for next year. You don't want to be, except for Benintendi, you don't want to be in left. So what are your options? Like if, if you don't want Olivares out there, Benintendi's got to be. And Benintendi has looked a little over anxious at the plate to me right now. And when he gets into slumps, that usually is the case. But he's also pretty good at pulling himself out of that with some patience. So let's hope he starts seeing more pitches, taking a few more walks, cutting down on those strikeouts, and putting the ball hard in play again. Interestingly, the thing that sort of stuck out to me this week as I, was we talk about this all of our stuff and, and watching Ryan O'Hearn play is the, the theme that emerged for me this week is what's the plan, right? Like, what is the plan moving forward? And what are you doing right now to execute that plan? If Olivares isn't doesn't isn't deserving of a chance, then it, why is Ryan is Ryan O'Hearn deserving of a chance? Like because he's out there playing a lot in right field, and yet is he deserving of a chance? I don't get why Ryan O'Hearn is taking up all this major league playing time when, in my mind, and anybody with eyes' mind, he is not a viable piece moving forward. And yet Edward Olivares gets no chance at all. Yeah, I don't get that. What is the plan? Well, and, and I'm going to tell you, say two things that are going to complicate your plan even more. The one one is very obvious. Is Carlos Hernandez part of the plan or Carlos Santana part of the plan as well? He's Good 35 question. years old and he can't and he's not hitting right now at all. And Good hasn't question. for a little while. Is he part of the plan? Like, what, what are we doing with him? This is going to complicate it a little more, too. Adalberto Mondesi leaves Omaha today with uh, a tweak of his oblique again. Is he shut down for the rest of the year? Is he part of your plan for next year? Do you need to start planning around him? Maybe not being a Royal. I don't know what the, what the deal is here, but yeah, I just don't, I don't see a plan. I see, I see them making moves because they have to that day or that week. I, I don't see something for the long-term future. Yeah. Nothing uh, that looks like a cohesive plan for the future. No. And it, why, why are this team seems to just want to lean on dudes who were able to do it three years ago. Uh, it just baffles me. You know, I know you want your reclamation project to work, but if your reclamation project works, you trade them. That's why they're a reclamation project. So I think we're really going to feel the brunt of us not doing any moves at the trade deadline as far as plans go. Uh, My theme for this week is Father Time is undefeated, and that kind of rolls right into this. Father Time is undefeated. One exception to that rule right now is Salvador Perez, but he's not that old. He's what, 32? Yeah, I mean, he's not that old, but you've got. Maybe Whit Merrifield slowing down a little bit. You've got uh, Carlos Santana, who looks like he's never been on a baseball field at this point. You have uh, Andrew Benintendi, who's starting to get up there a little bit. He's, he's slowing 20, down. 27, 28. Uh, I don't care. Well, when when do you peak as an offensive performer, right? 27, right? Yeah. So roughly. maybe he. So, so here's the thing if the idea is father time is undefeated, we're now participating in his downslide. No, we're the, it's not a peak. We're the beginning it's a, of it. It's it's a window. <laughs> it's a window from 27 to 32. It's but would not, you rather get out too early or too late? Well, it, that's a question of whether or not they should have got in at all on Benintendi. But yeah. the, well, it, your point your point is still solid without him as an example. Mike like, Miner is another example of Mike Miner is a great example. <laughs> um, so, like, guys, father time is undefeated is a saying that is quite applicable. We... We already mentioned that we probably should have traded, gotten out of the Carlos Santana, gotten out of the Whit Merrifield, Merrifield. you know, Michael Taylor, get anything you can for him. 
I understand that. And we got rid of Jorge Soler and he started hitting, he's hitting for the Braves or whatever. I'm okay with that still. Soler was not a part of this team after this year. Get rid of him. Get, we should have gotten out on some of those guys because they're not getting younger next year. You know, it, it, what are we doing? Father, you know. But Mike, they might grab us three extra wins for the rest of the year. Yeah. Three extra wins this year. And I'm not, I, I don't even see that. Like is, <laughs> is Carlos Santana so much better at the major league level that we couldn't bring up anybody from AAA to do what he's doing right now. Not really. It, and any, any of those guys, I mean, Whit Merrifield, I guess is probably better than what you could bring up. Although you could bring up Bobby baseball, who knows, like, what are we, what are we hanging on to? What are we fighting for, for the rest of this year? Drives me absolutely crazy. Quit thinking you're going to have 36 year old Carlos Santana contribute next year. I like the guy. I love the way his game was when he was really good at it, but he's just, it's just not it anymore. It's not. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. Also, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. We tweet during most games so you can get this fresh insight for free by simply following us. Last week on our Spotlight segment, we discussed the 2022 Kansas City Royals and tried to project an opening day lineup. This week, as painful as it is, we'll focus on the 2021 Royals and what could be taken from this fairly lost season. Mike and I are each going to choose two things we want to take from this season, things we hope carry over into next season. Mike, kick us off. What do you want us to take from this season? I want to take Carlos Hernandez in the starting rotation, the way that he's been for the last Oh, two, three weeks. That's what I want. I want the Carlos Hernandez who can go deep into games, throws it 98 for his fastball, has a killer breaking ball, and a dev- and hopefully takes one step with that changeup, and really is feels comfortable as a major league starter. It will be tempting for them to want to put him back into the bullpen, one, because he's done it a little bit, but two, because he has an arm that profiles really well into a bullpen. Don't do it, Royals. Don't. Leave him in the starting rotation and let him become a guy who is pitching many, many innings because I think that he's going to be able to do that. Uh, And I threw this comp out to you earlier today, and I had actually never thought of it until today when Mark and I were painting his house. Carlos Zambrano. He he reminds me of Carlos Zambrano. If you guys remember. Without the emotional turmoil. That's true. (laughs) Mentally disturbed nature. Yeah. Carlos Zambrano was a freaking just... Dynamite out there all the time. Um, But if you remember Carlos Zambrano, he pitched for the Cubs and he was a really good starting pitcher for, I'd say a four or five year stretch with them. He reminds me a lot of Carlos Hernandez uh, or Carlos Hernandez reminds me of him in that they both had explosive fastballs and good breaking stuff. um, But had some big body guy has has some command issues. Zambrano did earlier in his career. Um, but kind of fixed those or got didn't never they never completely got away from him, but was able to tighten it up enough that he was a guy that could really, really do well. I mean, he was an all-star level pitcher, starting pitcher for the Cubs. So uh, if he can be that, if he takes a step forward and becomes that Carlos Zambrano, I mean Zambrano was the Cubs one for a few years. He was their ace, he was their guy. Mind you, those teams weren't quite as good, but uh he could be really great. And that's what I hope we take moving forward. Resist that urge to put him in the bullpen. 
Yeah. Um, another guy who's sort of, similar to Hernandez who popped on the scene this year. I mean, we knew about him previously, but he really took a stranglehold of the position. That was Nicky Lopez. That's what I hope my number one thing we hope I hope we bring into next year. He's really offensively the only bright spot I can think of for the Royals this year. And he's done it with getting back to the profile he had back in AAA, where he's walking quite a bit, not striking out a ton, not swinging and missing a lot putting some line drives into play, uh, doing all the little things necessary to be successful, and then playing high-caliber defense. At He's been doing it at short all season. He looked a little shaky early in the year at short, but he's been really, really good since then. And, of course, when he moves over to second, it's, it's, it's gold-glove caliber second base. If we can utilize him in the future moving forward, we've solved one piece of the infield. We've also given ourselves a chance to either have a really competent number nine hitter or a decent, maybe leadoff hitter. If he can keep his on-base numbers as high as they've been this year, if, 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 if he can hit that 350 OBP mark, he could lead off for the Royals moving forward. I don't know if they will. I think they like him at nine, but I mentioned last week to Mike, what are your options at leadoff? If, if it's Whitmerfield or, or Nicky Lopez, there is an argument to be made that Nicky Lopez is the better option at this point. And so we'll see if they choose to go that route. But either way, you sort of have an infield piece figured out for another four years or so. Uh, well, after this year, it'll be, I guess it'll be three or four. I can't, I can't, I can't remember. Let's see. He was in 19. Eh, his service time is a little messed up to me, but he'll have three or four years left under team control after this. And they will be really, really important years as Bobby Wood Jr. And Nick Prado come in. So that's what I want us to take over into next year. Nicky Lopez playing the way he has so far this year. Yeah. If he can play a solid, uh, if he can, if he can hit the way he has this year and you can play him at second base next year, you're talking about a super solid uh, infield defense, no matter if it's Adalberto Modesty is short or Bobby Witt Jr. is short. Either way, you're going to have a good, a good defense in the middle. Really excited that Nicky Lopez was able to do that. I hope we don't see a bunch of regression down to what he had been before that next year. Keep your fingers crossed. But if you can do that, that's a piece you don't have to figure out later. Yeah. So what's your next sort of takeaway? The thing that you want this team, because they're going to need a lot. They need a lot, a lot <laughs> of help. What, what good can we take from this season, which has been so bad, and carry over into next year? For me, it's, it's Salvador Perez being ageless. Uh, if he can continue to be the kind of hitter that he has been this year and now last year, even though in a shortened season last year, he can profile at catcher. I mean, he profiles as a top of the league hitting catcher because <laughs> just the hitting talent at catcher isn't quite where it's been what it was in the eighties and seventies. But if you can do that, he can also profile as a DH or a first baseman and you feel fine moving him to either one of the, any of those spots when he needs to, because you're getting such, as a matter of fact, he's the guy producing offensively who is about the only one on the team that could profile as a above average DH in the American league by himself, you know? Um, yeah, he would be slightly above average, but he would not be as good offensively as his profile at catcher. Just no, of course not. You're not, yeah, you're not going to get, he's an above average. He's not an elite DH in the American league. No, but, but still he's the only one we have. Like that's the, it (laughs) at this point. So, uh, if that you feel comfortable moving him to DH, you feel comfortable playing him at first, if you need to, or even shit, we've talked about him sharing the load with MJ Melendez at catcher. Kind of, uh, we need Salvador Perez to stay ageless. We need him to continue to hit moving forward, and uh, I'll take that next year too. Yeah, we also need a system that's producing quality bats to put around guys like Salvador Perez. So 
we talked about, well, the window opens when Nick Prado, Bobby Witt Jr., and MJ Melendez get to the major leagues. That's when those guys get to the major leagues and when Singer, Bubich, Lynch, and Coar are in place. That's when your window opens. Wait, to keep your window open, you have to keep producing minor league hitting talent and, and pitching talent. But the thing I want to move over from this year, the one good takeaway that I'd like to see moved into uh, next season is the improved minor league hitting development. It has been a, a, just a revelation for the Royals that Nick Prado, MJ Melendez have turned around their prospect status entirely, an entire 180 from completely off the prospect radar back into the top 100. That is nuts. I've never seen anything like it. And so to have those guys hitting is is just really incredible. And to have Bobby Wood Jr. right alongside them is also amazing. We need that level of minor league hitting development to continue or this window is going to close fast and it may never actually fully open because there are still places they need to supplement. They need somebody in center field. They're going to need somebody. If Hunter Dozier doesn't pick it back, pick back up, they're going to need somebody when Ben Attendee leaves, they're going to need somebody, you know, just, just to help fill positions. And so it's important that that minor league hitting development continues to have success moving forward. I really love that. They've got it. I think they need to find some minor league pitching development as well. But the minor league hitting development has been a really big story for what has been a lost season. That has been a gem of a story for the Royals. Yeah. And, and it's, we look at those guys that you talked about, the Melendez's, uh, the Prados who turned it around like you just don't see happen very often. But there's other guys, too, like that, that are probably that may not be everyday major leaguers, but could help you at the major league level at some point. I'm talking Vinny Pasquantino, Michael Massey, Clay, Clay Dungan, Dungan yeah. Rudy Martin, like all those dudes who, either haven't had great seasons last year, two years ago, and are now taking step forwards or became more consistent, or they were able to move up a level and still have success. All of that stuff has been important because, you know, when the Royals were good in, in four, 13, 14, 15, they didn't just have the outfield that they had. They had a Gerard Dyson to lean on too. You know, when Lorenzo Cain went down with an injury or whatever, they, they had somebody to bring in, you know, that might be your Rudy Martin they didn't just have that infield that they had when somebody took a day off, not Escobar, obviously that you <laughs> threw somebody in there, you know, like you, you had pieces that were homegrown or that were good acquisitions that you could use. You had a sixth and seventh guy. You felt comfortable starting even like a Chris young, who for a stretch at least was pretty good helping us out in a long relief slash starting role for that one year or two years that he was with us. So uh, yeah. So if they're here's able to the, develop those pieces, that's going to be huge for them. Here's the secret. Playoff teams have depth. In the past, we've mentioned that August would be a brutal month for the boys in blue. And true to form, the start of this week doesn't get any easier for the as the Royals host the Houston Astros, the AL West leading Houston Astros. For the weekend series, though, the good guys get a respite a little bit. Uh, from good teams when they get to face the stripped for parts Chicago Cubs, who are, I think, playing some guy who sacks grocery for me on the weekend. I think I think he's playing uh, third base for the Cubs right now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real bear. A once proud organization. A <laughs> once proud, which has been just decimated with trades. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're a Chicago Cubs fan, I mean, it's it's probably pretty comparable to being a Royals fan, but the hope just isn't even there for them. So, because no. uh, they've just started the rebuild this year. So, Mike, tell us about the Astros, the infamous trash can bangers. How are they doing so far this year? Well, they're going to drag that trash can right into uh, <laughs> right into the uh, series this week. 
No, actually, this is kind of a reunion of sorts because the Astros, who are 70 and 46, a phenomenal organization, except for the cheating. Um, cheating's bad, y'all. Cheating's bad. They're atop the ALS, like you said. But in the first game, we get Carlos Hernandez, a my boy, against Jake Odorizzi, the, the old uh, Royals draftee. We drafted Jake Odorizzi. He came through our system. was that double A, I think, when we traded him to the Rays for James Shields in that James Shields trade. But he is steady Eddie, 31-year-old. He's at a four-and-a-half ERA-ish. Uh, he's been that kind of pitcher for the last couple of years. He had some better years earlier. But he's a, a major league average kind of guy right now, which is kind of what a lot of people thought he would be when he came through with the Royals because he doesn't have phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. He doesn't throw really hard. He's got about – but he's got four pitches that he can command. So four pitches you can command with average stuff means you can stay in Major League Baseball for a very long time. And so uh, that's going to be a tough one for the Royals. If Hernandez comes out and is good Hernandez, we should win that game. If he's bad, we're going to have a tough time because Odorizzi is not going to give up nine. You know, In that second game, we got Daniel Lynch, so two exciting starters to watch this week against Framber Valdez, a 27-year-old left-hander. Uh, great ERA, 3.09. He is a sinker, sinker baller, throws a 50% sinker balls, has a hard slider, um, but it's been a really good starting pitcher for them this year. And then in that third game, the great the grateful return of Zach Greinke. He's returned a few Yay! times and pitched worth uh, the interviews the alone. That's right. He's thirty seven years old. How old are we? I old. don't know, man. God, old. We always knew that Zach Greinke would age well because even when he was coming up, I think as like a twenty year old, he was twenty when he came up with the Royals, wasn't he? Yeah, something like that. He was really young. Um, he was had great command, and that was like the big thing for him. It was like he has dynamite command. Uh, even as a 20 year old in major league baseball, even though that first time up, he got rocked. I remember watching some of those starts, um, but he's gone 24 games, started 3.5 ERA with a 1.12 whip. I mean, he's been a workhorse for the Astros, 140 plus innings pitched so far this year. Yes. He is a weirdo. Yes. He is a great interview. I hear he's damn near a scratch golfer too, but he's only throwing at 89 these days, you know? So he's, he's not a power guy at all anymore, but he will work all over the zone. He might even throw up that little EFIS curveball that he throws to people sometimes. I don't know. It's a curveball. He just lobs one in there. So that'll be fun to see Zach Greinke back. And uh, yeah. I bet he gets a big ovation with the K. I bet he does. Man, some of the people out there aren't even going to remember when he pitched for the Royals. Well, yeah, but you know, people love Zach Greinke in Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, after, after the Houston Astros, the the Royals get a little bit of a break with the Chicago Cubs. They're uh, 52 and 68, fourth in the NL Central, 20 and a half back of the Brewers. I don't think that rally is going to make it. I don't think <laughs> that push is going to make it. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, you may not recognize a lot of the names on this team right now. Uh, they traded away Anthony Rizzo. They traded away Chris Bryant. John Lester's gone. Fre- Although you will recognize Javi, Javi Baez. Javi Baez is still there, but he's no, I thought right they got now. rid of him. I don't think so. Did they? I think they sent him to the Mets, didn't they? I don't know. Let's check now. Now I got to know. Oh, no, they did send him to the Mets. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Javi Baez is gone. They're all gone. Literally. Okay. They're all gone. <laughs> They're all gone. Uh, but one name you'll recognize, Frank Schwindel, former Hello. Royals 4A player, is now, starting, is now starting at first base for them. And so that, that should tell you a lot about where the Cubs are right now. Um, the overall team numbers don't mean much because a lot of the guys who – are gone. Like the guys whose numbers who produce the numbers for the Cubs at this point are gone. They're out. <laughs> so like the Royals, they've, uh, they've had a t- 
tough starting pitching this year. Their starting pitching has really let them down. Uh, they have four of their top five starters have ERAs over five. And so it's just been a really tough uh, job for a really tough performance from their pitching staff. And that's really kept them from being at all competitive in the NL Central. We forgot to mention Craig Kimbrell, too. They got rid of him. Yeah, <laughs> they, he's they, gone, too. But what did they, they do? They're clubhouse attendant. They got rid of him. <laughs> what did they do, though? They got a bunch of guys in return. So Yeah, they did. More Quick than what I can rebuild say from the Cubs coming, right? Quick yeah. rebuild. We'll end this week like we end every week with our Just A Bit Outside segment, where we, Mike's wife, skips to this section. So, hi, Morgan. Uh, and, you know. <laughs> Welcome to the show, is. dear. Welcome to the show. Um <laughs> We'll talk about something that fascinates us outside the world of baseball. Mike, what do you got? What's been interesting you outside the world of baseball this week? Uh, home improvement. And I'm not talking about the wonderful sitcom starring Tim Allen from the uh, 1990s. Although I have already told my Al Borland story on this uh, podcast. No, I'm talking about the fact that like fixing up your own home, doing things around the house. You and I uh, spent all day. Well, most of the day today and, and yesterday painting your house. Okay. And I was sitting there talking Sucked. to, sorry, yeah, I did suck, but I was talking to your girlfriend's dad and, uh, we were talking about how, like how His much also Mark. Yeah. That's weird. weird right? right. Yeah. It's weird. But, uh, we were talking about how, like how much better your home looked and how much value it added to your home. And the fact that we're doing it ourselves saves a bunch of money. You and I are building something for the backyard as well. Um, I enjoy, I don't say I enjoy doing those things. I do like doing those things myself when I can. I like adding value to my home on my own if I can, but we also, as we've been going through your house, seen some, how some people do work on their own. <laughs> they don't do great jobs and it's frustrating yeah. when they do that. Um, but I, I just like, I like the idea of fixing stuff for myself when I can, I'm not messing with plumbing. I'm not a psycho, but yeah, I, I like when I'm done that sense of accomplishment that I feel I think it's partly because I'm so cheap and I feel like, Hey, I saved some money. Yay. Um, but it, it's good to get that stuff done and your house looks a thousand times better. At least the parts that are painted already. So, uh, I yeah. can attest you are very cheap. Yes, I am. Um, and so plus I so learned skills. I like learning skills when we do that stuff, man. Uh, mine is like tied to that a little bit. Um, I'm going to focus on the important of sh- the importance of stretching this week. <laughs> so as Mike said, we did about two days worth of painting, uh, after day one, I felt like I couldn't move. Why? Because I never stretch. I never exercise and I never stretch. And as a result, just bending down and getting up and all this stuff from my hamstrings felt like, uh, like guitar strings. That's how tight they were. Right. And so it was just a rough, rough day for me today, trying to move around. And it felt like my legs were on fire. So stretch Um, everybody, get a stretch. Especially for that large contingent of teenagers that listen to our show. We know you're out there. (laughs) We know you're out there with your stretching sugary cereals. TikTok and and whatnot. Don't stop stretching. Stretch when you're a teenager in your lifting class or your sporting activity and keep stretching all the way through your 20s, 30s, and 40s, and you'll be good to go. That's true. I got to start a whole new stretching thing now to make sure that by the time I'm 40, I'm not like immobile, completely immobile. So Mm -hmm. uh, day one of Mark's stretching routine starts today. <laughs> that is never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. But anyway, you know what is going to happen? We're going to be back next week with another Royals Weekly. You can't get rid of us. We can't stop. We won't stop. Uh, 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 uh. And that's all I have to say about that. Mike, what do you have? Go Royals. Be good to each other, everybody. 